glad to be here with you all this morning and worshiping with you all and just uh, glad to be here and, and to worship Jesus this morning as our Savior and as our King in this, uh, in this Christmas season. So um, if you would, we're going to get our, our Bibles out to Romans 3, 21 verses, uh, 3.21 verses 21 through 26, I'm sorry. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, if you look underneath a seat near you, you'll find a copy of God's Word there. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, a copy of the Bible, you can take that one home with you today. That's our gift to you this morning. So before we open up today, let's, uh, let's just uh, go to the Lord in prayer here and ask Him just to be with us and, uh, and that our hearts are focused on glorifying Him this morning. Pray with me, church. Father, we, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity we have to come together as a body and worship you, that we have, in fact, something to worship, Lord, that we are not lost and on our own, but we have a Savior in you. And Father, as we dive into your word, your gospel this morning, I, I pray, Lord, that it affects the hearts of every non-believer in this room and every believer in this room, that it leads us who are lost, who do not know you, to you, and that it increases the worship of those of us who have known you for many years. And so, Father, that's what we pray this morning. We pray for your presence. Lord, we pray for you to stir hearts and spirits in this room towards you, towards glorifying you. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, again, Bible's out, Romans 3, 21 through 26. And as you're, as you're doing that, I want to I want to ask us a question this morning. Where, where are my DIYers at? Or my do-it-yourselfers? You got a few? Okay, I got, we got a couple. All right. I, I too, am a, a, a DIYer. Uh, not so much because I love to do projects myself, but more along the lines that I like to save money. Right? And so very often when you do something yourself, when you make a repair or do a project yourself, you can usually save yourself a little bit of money. Not time, but money. And so two weeks ago, I had a problem that required me to, again, become a DIYer, a do-it-yourselfer. Um, I discovered, unfortunately, that my truck had a bad wheel bearing. So I called a mechanic. First thing I did, I called a mechanic. I said, hey, what can you fix this for? And the guy came back and said something like 800 bucks. And I was like, I about fell out of my seat. I was like, no. That's not going to happen. Uh, I'm not paying 800 bucks for this truck. And so I did what most DIYers do. I hopped on YouTube. Hopped on YouTube, and I found a video of a mechanic, a professional mechanic, replacing the wheel bearing on the same exact truck that I own. And so I watched the video, and it looked pretty easy. All right? In fact, the video was only like eight minutes long. I thought, oh, I can, I can do this. Like, this is no problem. I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to save a bunch of money. In fact, I went and got a new wheel bearing. It was like 200 bucks. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like $600 in the red here. We're good to go. All right. So I'm headed home to my garage and I'm thinking two hours tops, I'm going to have this licked. Like it's going to be done. Now, that's not what happened at all. And that's not what happened for, with all, at all. I struggled for hours with this thing. It was cold in my garage, and my truck won't fit all the way, so I got the doors open, the wind's blowing in. I'm getting more frustrated by the minute. I keep going back to this eight-minute-long video. There's steps in here. There's stuff I'm seeing in the video that aren't on the truck. I'm, I'm flustered, right? I made uh, so many attempts at this thing to get this thing done the way the video showed, and I was failing over and over again. Uh, 
everything was, was rusted pretty good on the truck. And of course, in the video, everything's like looks brand new. The guy's sliding stuff on and off pretty easy. And I kept fi- finding out that I don't really have the tools I need, the right tools I need to do this job. And so I made a bunch of trips into town. And all of a sudden, I'm like six hours into this two-hour repair. And, uh, and I got one bolt left to remove. And so I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm almost home free. Well, at least I thought that. And I grabbed the socket wrench, and I put it on the bolt, and I give it a turn, and this crazy thing happened. The socket wrench moved, but the bolt didn't, and I stripped the bolt out, which if you know anything about cars, you know that I'm in trouble, right? As soon as I felt it go, I was like, oh, I'm in trouble, right? I I just stripped out this bolt that was old and rusted, and it won't move. I got the truck jacked up in the garage. It's blowing in wind. The whole front end's torn apart. And I'm like, panic is like setting in now. I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. I am, I'm in for it. I'm drowning in this DIY job. I'm stuck. I don't have the knowledge nor the tools to get this bolt out. I need someone to come and save me. Now, if you were here with us last week, we discussed this very thing when it comes to our, our sinfulness. We found that through God's word last week, that we have a problem. Right? We have a sin problem, and it's a problem that we can't fix on our own. Right? We don't have the tools to fix it on our own. We need someone to come and rescue us from this problem. Now, luckily, in the problem that I was having with my truck, I called my, my brother in Christ, Jared Hasselbring, from the church here, who's a real mechanic. And he came over at 8.30 at night in a huge service truck that contained all the right tools. And we got, he got that truck, that bolt out in about four minutes. I had spent hours trying to get it out. And so he pulled it out in about four minutes. And then he also helped me, helped me navigate through two other issues that I didn't know that I was going to have yet. So I'm so glad that he was there uh, that, to fix those issues. And when Jared got there, he instantly knew that he wouldn't say this, but he instantly knew that I was in way over my head. And so he took over and he did the work while I held the flashlight. And let me tell you, I was happy to do that. I held the flashlight with pride while Jared fixed my truck. All right. So today, as we navigate through this section of text in Romans 3, in all seriousness, we will see that, that we need also a rescuer from our sin. And that that rescuer is Jesus. And so he showed up for us in a big way in God's word. And we're going to see that today. In fact, the Apostle Paul today is going to show us in Romans 3 that even though we fall short, we can be deemed righteous by faith and justified by grace only by the blood of Jesus. Right? He's going to show us that Jesus is the Savior, the answer to the sin problem that we discussed last week. So you all ready to dive into God's word this morning? Let's go. All right. Verse 21 through 23 of Romans 3 says this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Paul first tells us uh, here as sinners that we can be deemed righteous by faith, right? That's the first point he makes here in his text. 
Now notice he opens up with the words, but now. All right, here the apostle shows us the solution to two points that he made last week in verses 9 through 20. If you were here with us last week, these two points probably left you feeling a little uneasy. Right, we left here last week feeling a little bit uneasy about our sin. Right? We discussed the topic of sin and death, and it was a heavy topic to tackle. But it's vitally important that we come to terms with reality. And the reality is that man, all man, is sinful. So we may have left burdened last week. But today, as we work our way through this text, the Bible is going to show us the solution to our sin problem that we had talked about last week. Again, Paul is wrapping up his two points from last week. And the first point he's going to touch on is the unification of Jew and Gentile. Now, what's that have to do with us? Remember, last week, we were talking about the original context for Paul's letter to Rome. He's writing the church in Rome because there's dissension between two parties in that church, the Jews and the Gentiles, or everyone who's not a Jew. They have a dissension, uh, disagreements, between these two parties on how to gain righteousness with God. That's what they're disagreeing about. So the Jews believe that following Jesus and following the Old Testament law, right, sacrificing animals, getting circumcised, eating kosher, they thought that they needed the law and Jesus to be seen as righteous in God's eyes. And the Gentiles are refusing to follow these Old Testament Jewish laws. So these two groups are arguing about whose way of living is more righteous. And so Paul opened up our text last week by stating that there's unity between these two groups, and that's that they're all under sin, right? They're all sinful. And we have a sin problem. We talked about it last week. It's a problem that Paul restates here in verse 23. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what he's doing here is he's unifying these two groups together, saying, you're at odds with each other. Understand something. None of you are righteous. Neither group is righteous because they both commit sin. And the same thing rings true for us today. All right, when it comes to the righteous standard of God, we fall short. doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you're black or white, American or Middle Eastern, rich or poor, we all fall short. Right? That's what the Bible tells us. But Paul now shows us that it's possible to be righteous. He says, but now, how he opens this section of text, no matter who we are. In verse 22, he says that when it comes to gaining true righteousness with God through faith in Jesus, there is no distinction. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. doesn't matter what your background is. There's no distinction. All can come to faith, all can be righteous by having faith in Jesus. We are united together in sin under our own attempts to be righteous. Again, for the Jews that was following the law, but now we're united together in the fact that we can all obtain righteousness through faith in Christ. Again, it's not by our own works. We talked about that a little bit last week, but only through faith. Last week, he showed us that we are all dead to our sin, and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. No work, no law can save us. 
but only faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Because all now are under one Lord. It doesn't matter what nationality you are, where you come from, what religion you were raised in. Jesus is the solution to the sin problem, period. And we're going to dig deeper into that, right? All people can obtain righteousness in God's eyes through faith in Jesus Christ. All right, that's not all, though. Paul, as we continue in, Paul has more to say about what happens when you place your faith in Jesus. Get your eyes back on the text here in verse 24, where Paul says this, verse 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All right, the next line shows us that even though we fall short, we can be deemed righteous by faith. And in verse 24, justified by grace. All right, the Bible here has added an entirely new element to us here. All right, we've just talked about, about righteousness by faith, and now we're looking at justification by grace. So we, we need to focus on this word justified. All right, this is a Greek word uh, pronounced dikeo. Say it with me, dikeo. dikeo. Good, very good. You're welcome. <laughs> The, the definition of this word, dikeo, is simply this. Simply defined, the word dikeo, justified, means to render innocent. All right, we are rendered innocent by the grace of God, right, through our faith in Jesus for our sin. Now, remember, we're guilty of this crime. We talked about this last week. We're guilty of this crime. <clears throat> We are all unified in the fact that we are sinners, all of man, but because of Jesus, we are rendered innocent of these charges. We are rendered innocent of the charges that we're guilty of. Jesus has taken on our crime, and he's given us his righteousness. This theological stance is called the great exchange. He became sin who knew no sin and gave us the righteousness of God. Jesus is sinless. Right, you read through the Bible, I right, read through the Gospels. Jesus was sinless. He walked the earth for 33 years, walked the earth for 33 years, didn't sin once. Right, even when he was tempted by Satan himself. Right, he went through temptation, didn't give in to it. The only way to obtain righteousness with God is to be sinless like God. And Jesus was the only man who could do it because he is God. But even though he was innocent and we were guilty, he still took on our sin and gave us his righteousness. And not only that, we didn't earn this. We have done nothing to earn this gift. We did nothing to deserve this act. The Bible says it's a free gift. All right, depending on the translation of the Bible that you're reading, the verse in text 24, or I'm sorry, the text in verse 24 may say this in your Bible, as it does in the ESV, justification comes as a gift by the grace of God. I also like the, the King James translation here best. The word the King James use, uses is freely, this word freely. And when you define this Greek word freely, here's the definition you get. Undeserving or without cause. Now, you did nothing to deserve this gift. 
you didn't earn it. And you for sure can't pay it back. And this concept confuses us, especially as Americans, that we would get something this monumental to our lives and do nothing to earn it. We did nothing to deserve it. We did, there was no work we could do to earn this wage of righteousness that Jesus has gifted us. In fact, people who don't know the gospel, when they hear this for the first time, they can't wrap their head around it. In fact, this was me at the age of 21 when I first heard the gospel for the very first time. I remember sitting there and being like, so I'm dead. I'm dead in my sin. And because of Jesus, because of, because of that sin, Jesus came and he took my death sentence on the cross so that I could live forever through faith in him, even though I did absolutely nothing to deserve that. Yes, that is the gospel, that Jesus came and died for our sins, and we did absolutely nothing to deserve it. It's all over the Bible. In fact, if you need some black and white proof of this truth, right? These aren't my words. This came straight from God's word. You can open up the word of truth. If you want the truth, open up the word of truth. Here in Romans 3.24, you'll find it, right? As we just are going over. It's also in Romans 5.8 where Paul says, but God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still committing sin, Jesus died for us. It's also in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, where Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Don't take my word for it. Go look in God's word for it. There's plenty of proof of this truth. Justification is a free gift And only through the grace of God was it made available to us because he loves us, right? That's the reason. Why why God? I remember 21 years old. Again, why would Jesus do that for me? Well, because he he loves us. The most famous Bible verse of all time, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It was through this love and by his grace that we can be rescued from sin and death. So now that we know that, and now that we know that we can be rescued, that we can be justified by the grace of God through faith in Jesus, there's only one question left to answer. How? Right, how did all this go down? How did Jesus accomplish this work? How by grace are we able to be saved through faith? Well, that's the final thing that we're going to see in Romans 3 today. That's the final thing the word's going to show us is this. We can be deemed righteous by faith and justified by grace only by the blood of Jesus. Read with me here in verses 25 through 26. It says this, whom God, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's 
righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over from sins, former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, I know we've talked a lot about specific words today. Words like justification and freely. Now, I'm aware that we've gotten into the weeds this morning, right? Super heady up to this point. We've gotten deep into it this morning with the words. But hang in with me here. Because the last word we're going to focus on is one of the most important words in the Bible. This word, propitiation. In fact, let's look again at verse 25 and see this word in the text. The ESV translation says, Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Now, again, I, I think I like the, the plain English text of the KJV, the King James Version. I think it's a little bit easier to understand as we look at this text alone. The KJV says this, Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So we see here that God has set forth Jesus to be the propitiation for our sin. Now, what's this word propitiation mean? Well, this word propitiation defined means to appease, right? It's the appeasement. So Jesus, what the, what the text is saying here is that Jesus is the appeasement for our sins. Well, what does that mean? Why do we need Jesus to appease our sins? What's the appeasement of sins look like? To understand propitiation, we must first get an understanding of ancient Jewish sacrifice. If you look at God's law in the Old Testament, if you read in the Old Testament and look at God's law, in order for a sin to be covered, something has to die in our place. In order for our sin to be covered, in order for the Jews who are practicing the law in the Old Testament sin to be covered, something has to die in our place, right? Sin requires death. We, we said last week, we talked about uh, how the wages of sin, as, as Paul talks in Romans, the wages of sin is death. So something has to pay that death, right? Blood has to be spilled. A sacrifice must be made. And we've established many times over that, again, that the penalty of sin is death. So if we don't want to die for our sin, something must die for us. It must die in our place. That was, that was the same truth for the Jews in the Old Testament. But not just anything can die. Not just anything can die for sin. God's law dictates that it must be a spotless animal without blemish. Right? Not just any animal, a perfect animal. Is only that is that is what's only acceptable to be sacrificed for our sin. You can't sacrifice something sinful, something with blemish on it, for something sinful with a blemish on it. You guys tracking? So if you read the Old Testament, you'll find that every year the high priest of the Jews he would go into the tabernacle in the holy of holies. This was the the holy room of the tabernacle where the Lord would dwell. 
And he would go in there and he would drip the blood of a spotless, unblemished, perfect animal on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, we'll have a picture here of it. It was a big box that the, the Israelites carried around through Exodus, through the Old Testament, through the first five books. And this Ark was a, it was a big box that contained the most sacred things to the Jews that the Lord had given them. In fact, the tablets that had the Ten Commandments written on them were contained in this Ark. All right, so it's a box with a lid. All right, this, this, this is a big box that they carried around that had a lid. And that lid of that box is called the mercy seat. And that's where the actual divine presence of the Lord would sit in the holy of holies. And so every year on the Day of Atonement, this, this Jewish holiday, the high priest would go in to this place, this holy place, and he would drip the blood of a pure animal on the mercy seat. And this was done to cover the sins of the people of Israel for the year. And this point of dripping blood on the mercy seat was to show the people and us that only through blood being spilled will there be a remission of sin, an atonement for sins. So it was this act of dripping blood on the mercy seat that shows us that. Now, when we look at this word, mercy seat, the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word, mercy seat, is the Greek word, halisterion. Say that with me, halisterion. Do you know what word, that Greek word, halisterion, translates into in English? Propitiation. Jesus went to the cross and spilled his blood to be the propitiation for the sins of all mankind. Now, he fulfilled in this moment the law of propitiation, the law of the mercy seat. Instead of going in every single year and spilling the blood of an animal without blemish or spot, Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the ultimate sacrifice forever, right? He's the propitiation for our sin forever. His blood fulfilled this law for eternity. The Bible tells us that it is only by faith in his blood that we can obtain salvation. We can only be saved through faith alone. And we have faith in Jesus because he is our propitiation. In fact, listen to what Pastor John MacArthur says about this. Pastor MacArthur says, In ancient pagan religion, as in many religions today, the idea of man's appeasing a deity by various gifts or sacrifices was common. But in the New Testament, propitiation always refers to the work of God, not of man. Man is utterly incapable of satisfying God's justice except by spending eternity in hell. Church, we have been saved by grace through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It is the blood being spilled that saved us. He is the propitiation of our sin. It's only through faith alone, not our own works, right? The Bible has shown us over and over again, not by our own works, 
but faith alone in the spilled blood of Christ that saves us. That is where salvation lies, right? This is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus. Last week, we left here heavy and burdened with the reality of our sinful nature and the death that we deserved because of it. But today, we should leave here celebrating because we have the gospel to save us. We should leave here celebrating that Jesus saved us from death and made us righteous before God. Through his love for us, God came down in flesh. He walked perfectly amongst us and he willingly went to the cross and shed his blood for our sins so we could live forever in his glory. He fulfilled the law that we have failed to follow for thousands of years. Because of this gospel, we should be waking up every single day worshiping Jesus for the fact that he pulled us out of death. He gave us a free gift that we did not deserve. And so as we, as we head into the holiday season, that should be the focus of our celebration, celebrating the fact that God has sent a savior to rescue us. Make this truth, this triumph over sin and over death through faith in Jesus, the center of our celebration in our families. Right? It might look weird to the world when we do this, but this is why we have this time of year. And this is a perfect time to share the gospel within our families that are getting together, to share the gospel with people in our families who don't know the Lord. Those who haven't heard it, who maybe ask, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why are we here? Why are we gathered together? We do it because a savior has been born, a savior that we desperately needed. He has to be the center of our focus, not just this holiday season, but every single day of our lives. We celebrate the, the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus because he saved us. We celebrate the gospel because we desperately needed it to live eternally with him. So we're going to continue to do that this morning, to celebrate Jesus for what he's done for us, for the finished work on the cross, for the shedding of his blood, which gave us the propitiation for our sins. So if you would rise with me, we're going to continue in worship this morning. But before we do, I want to just pray for us. And so as we stand here and we worship and we pray, get to the forefront of your minds why we are here. And it's to worship and celebrate Jesus who has victory and who gave us victory over sin and death. So pray with the church. Father, we, we love you, Lord. Jesus, we, we, can't be, we can't be too worshipful, Lord, for what you've done for us. And everyone in this room, Father, has fallen short multiple times. Every day we fall short and yet though we are sinners, you still died for us. Let that text of truth in your Bible and your word ring true to us this week in our hearts that though we are sinful, you still gave your life up for ours. Jesus, in this time, I, I pray in this time of year and all the way throughout the year, God, that we just continue to keep our eyes on you 
keep our eyes on that gospel truth, that the gospel isn't just, it isn't just something that launches us out into Christian life, but that we are riding on it every day. It's not just the, the diving board into Christianity. It's the pool that we swim in every single day, Lord. Make us desire you every day because of what you did, because of your gospel message that we read today. Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you would renew people in here who are dead, who don't know you, that this gospel would hit their ears this morning, that they would open their hearts to truth, that you were born as the sacrificial lamb, that you came and you walked perfectly and you died for our sins and you were resurrected on the third day to defeat sin and death so that we can live eternally with and through you. We praise you. You are holy, God. You are a merciful God. And that is why we praise you. We get on our faces every single day, Lord. We praise you as a church for who you are and what you've done for us. Father, we want to continue to praise you, Jesus. We want to continue to lift up our praise to you right now. You are holy and you deserve every bit of worship, Father. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your holy name. Amen.